Hello and welcome to Mimazine on Air. This week we're in Australia. As I'm sure you're all aware, Australia is on fire. The bushfires currently ravishing through the continent have caught global attention and rallied a huge support. But burning is not uncommon here. Actually, it's natural, and some species even want it. Yes, you heard right. Some trees could even be called arsonists. Today I'm joined by a Eureka Science Prize winning journalist, Michael Troy from the ABC. Hello Michael. Hi Mimi, thanks for having me. And thank you for coming on. Today we are going to be speaking about eucalyptus trees, stoking the bushfires in Australia. Can you please tell me, first of all, a little bit about the bushfire situation in Australia? Yes, well, uh, obviously everybody in the world knows a lot that we've been burning down here in Australia this uh, summer season. Uh, To put it in perspective, I suppose you could say there have been 10 million hectares burnt this summer. And that size for an English audience is half of England. So it's very big. That that is massive. And as a reporter, we of course also, you think it's all destruction and the, the forests are destroyed. You know, they're burnt. But it's not quite the case because what happens here is that we have a dominant species of eucalypts, which are about three quarters of Australian forests. The eucalyptus tree, one of Australia's most iconic native species, also known as the gum tree. And these eucalypts, or gum trees, as you might know them, because they're, they're all over the world now. They've spread. They spread. They okay, have spread. We'll come to that later. <laughs> the gummies, they're getting everywhere. <laughs> Let's backtrack. Bushfires. What are they and why do they occur? The bushfire situation this year in Australia has been pretty dire compared to previous years. What are the different factors, first of all, that cause a bushfire? Because I'm a little bit older than you, (laughs) I've remembered a number of seasons of bushfires here in Australia. Uh, They all are terrifying, but it generally precedes a drought. So we'll get a a cycle is that um, you'll have, uh, say, three years of good rain, uh, floods, often because uh, we're a land of flood, of drought and flooding rains so you'll have three or four good years but then you'll get a couple of which like has happened here two or three years in a row where you get a drought and that drought can go on for six years sometimes and and uh, sometimes they describe it as caused by the El Nino effect which is the warming of the Pacific Ocean across the whole other side near South America affects our weather so El Nino means little boy in Spanish Finally, my Spanish comes in useful. And little boy is a naughty thing to have because we end up with the drought and the Spanish or the other side over in South America end up with water and it switches around. Um, But once you get a terrible drought like that, the conditions on the ground start feeding into this new thing, which is the fires. And it seems to always happen. And I've been through quite a few in 94 was the worst ones we had where Sydney itself seemed to be on fire and a number of houses inside Sydney went up. Oh, wow. I mean, this year, even being in Sydney, you can feel the effects of the fire with the smoke coming in. But as of yet, there haven't been any properties within or any kind of area within Sydney itself on fire. That's right. And Sydney got off pretty lightly this time. And it does seem to move around. Like every time there's a big fire, there's one in Hobart. Dozens of homes go. Victoria, the Ash uh, Wednesday ones, uh, about six years ago, they killed hundreds of people. Um, they were down there. They seem to be okay this time. So they move around. They they don't hit the same areas each time. 
and when Sydney's last term was 94, and I covered that, we, we didn't have to go far to see it because it was literally in the northern beaches, it was in the Blue Mountains, it was in the suburbs of Sydney, right next to the studio, there was smoke and dust and flames sort of could be seen from the On studio. your doorstep. Oh, doorstep. my goodness. Okay, so that gives a little bit of a overview of the fires. But what I really want to ask you about are arsonist trees. I've heard this term flying around. What do the eucalyptus trees do to, as the press have put it, stoke the fires? Yeah, well, the word arsonist was thrown around <laughs> in the last fires. And there was some sort of fake news that sort of said a lot of the fires were started by arsonists. Shock. Once again, fake news infiltrating the media. But 95% of the fires were started by lightning. So it was a natural... Oh, wow, ignition. 95%. Yeah, it, it was an arsonist, but somehow that story got out. Um, but the trees themselves, as you say, they are arsonists. What did I say? Arsonist trees. In fact, they, um, our gum trees are designed to burn, and they like to burn. So they, uh, in a way, encourage fire and... They almost live for this moment to sort of spread. Now, a gum tree, in a sense, is 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 uh, described by some firefighters as a gasoline tree or a Roman candle. And do you, do you know much about uh, gum trees and just how they work? I know about eucalyptus oil, so I'm guessing the trees themselves contain a high amount of eucalyptus oil within the leaves. Well, that's right. So. The, th the things that make it good for fire, first of all, the oil. And if you've ever been to this area, uh, the Blue Mountains is called the Blue Mountains because of that oil. It gives a blue uh, sort of tinge. Oh, wow. So I did not realise that. That's eucalyptus oil from those plants. So the leaves are full of oil. Okay. And it's very flammable oil. It's also very tasty for koalas. <laughs> so um, as you probably saw a lot of the pictures, there was heaps of koalas that were affected mm. because um, koalas live off those leaves. So... They're quite nutritious leaves, but uh, the whole plant is semi-deciduous, which, you know, in Europe, most of your trees give up their leaves during winter. But what the eucalypt does, which is weird, they drop their leaves, but not all of them, and they drop them in spring, not winter, uh, not um, autumn. So what happens is when a eucalypt is preparing for the worst bushfire season, it drops its leaves, creates a big carpet of flammable material underneath it, and then it peels off some of its bark. And you might have seen this on the side of it. The bark hangs down in strips like this, long streamers that drop to the ground, like little, it'll go straight up them. Uh, so it's almost providing additional fuel that draws the ground fire up into the tree on purpose, creating massive crown fire. So it wants to literally ignite so it wants to burn itself. It, it wants to set its leaves on fire. And it wants to set those eucalyptus leaves on fire. It's bizarre, yeah. So wh why does it want to do that? I can't get my head around that. That seems very counterintuitive for a tree. Uh, it does. It does sound very counterintuitive. Um, what they want to do that for is because uh, they're, they're what's called a colonising plant, but they don't like to take over. So if you, if you look at the forest of a eucalypt, there's lots of light coming through, so there's other plants can live there quite happily in a little sort of ecosystem. But trees that dominate in Europe quite often create a huge canopy and don't let the light in. So they live on their own, you know, they dominate an area. So when this, what it wants to do is move. So by colonizing it with the fire, it can burn and throw all its uh, seeds further forward and move. It can actually walk.
a walking, fire-loving tree. Great. That's how it gets to get, get somewhere else. So this is a, basically a survival strategy for mm. the eucalyptus tree. Well, it's, it's not more than a survival. It's actually a colonising strategy. Colonising strategy. It's, it's on the move. It, what it primarily wants to invade is rainforest territory. Rainforests uh, make up about a quarter of New South Wales and, you know, Australian forests. Beautiful, but they're not designed to burn. Rainforests are not designed to burn. So when fires get into them, and that was the tragedy this year, is that some of the fires did get into rainforest areas. So that means the nasty little eucalypts were pushing on with colonisation. Mm. So they push, they'll push out the rainforest species if they're given a chance and take over their area. And wow, this has been studied slightly by Professor Laddiggies. Apologies for any mispronunciation. Who seem to think that if a fire is very hot but goes through somewhere fast, it doesn't do as much damage as if a fire burns really slowly through an area. But the eucalyptus trees like a fire going through fast because their seeds don't get scorched. Is that correct? It's, yeah, it's sort of half there. Half there, okay. That's in the right direction. <laughs> the seeds, um, if you really want to see what they look like, they were immortalised by children's author uh, May Gibbs. You might have mm -hmm. heard of her. Have you ever heard of May Gibbs? And uh, it, she wrote these wonderful books. She was actually from Kent in England, I found out. But in 1918, she wrote a whole series of stories called The Gumnut Babies. And it was the adventures of Snugglepot and Cuddlepot. <laughs> Great titles. And, and you, if you could show a picture, they're just like all the seeds of the um, the tree. The seeds are designed with a very hard shell. They won't crack open unless they're burnt big time. So unless there's a big fire in the top of the tree, these seeds won't germinate. So what they need the fire for is to shower these seeds out. That's what they do. And if you go out to a, all the forests around Australia that have been burnt today, mm. There's a shower of these little gumnut babies, you could call them, and that was a very apt sort of metaphor that she came up with. Gumnut babies, and they're all sort of fighting now to take over the areas. So these these little gumnut fellas are coming along. But she also had a character, you have to have a, a villain, and that was the bad guy was the Banksia man. I have a slight feeling we may be digressing. And the Banksia tree also relies on fire to germinate. So Banksia man used to steal the cuddlepot. Snuggle pot and cuddle pie, the children, and take them away. <laughs> she was actually quite smart, you know. She was, uh, she was right on the money as how the the system works. The, there's a lot of competing plants out there. So other species haven't caught on to this idea of harnessing fire. Again, it's a great Australian success story of the eucalyptus tree. Yeah, it goes back to Gondwana land. If you've ever heard of that, that was Australia when it was part of. Antarctica was a huge, huge place. And in Gondwana land, a lot of species survived and did fire and all sorts of things. But there are friends of the eucalypts that all work with them. And you probably know the wattle tree, mm. beautiful yellow. The wattle tree is another very iconic Australian native species. Does the same thing. Um, grass trees and what they call, uh, well, grass trees are sort of a big black stump. And if you really want it to go, you have to burn it at home if you've got one in your garden because uh, it loves fire. And if you go out there now, you'll see they're all coming up. All the natives, uh, these sort of natives, uh, and also just ferns, just the green fern on the bottom of the... Those seeds are preserved in a way that you might not be aware of, but ants carry some of their seeds into their larder to sort of store them. But when a fire comes through, they germinate inside the ground, so they don't burn. They're already planted. So they have a whole system in place, this mm. invasion strategy using fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the animals cooperate. Remember that um, 
Wombats, for example, all have burrows. There is mm. stories around that during a fire, they let the other animals yeah, in. Yeah, the secret heroes of fire. <laughs> I love those stories. So they all get in there. And also, the, as I say, the ants, no one knew the ants hide the seeds as well and get them ready for germination. So uh, there's quite a few things that are going on. And right now, the, the surface of the where the fire has burnt through is a beautiful, rich bed for growing things. It's a, a sort of peat or something, I think you'd call it. Um, but it's it seems to stick around. And we've had a little bit of rain. And that's sort of, wow, that's just sort of germination city. Um, but the other thing that the trees do themselves, which is fascinating, is that the, the bark of the eucalypts is designed as a sort of fire retardant as well as putting the fire up to the top. It wants to put it up to the top, which is where you see those huge flames. Mm. But at the same time, it doesn't burn the bark as much to destroy it. So the bark peels off and underneath there is a whole reservoir of seeds, also things that germinate as well within the tree it's fascinating and so now you will see all the trees are shooting out branches all over the place in a, a you know to try and recover so a lot of trees that you think are dead are suddenly shooting from the roots and from the actual sort of the main part of the tree the trunk, the trunk. so it's it's an incredible regeneration process and it's very fast and it's sort of happening now Native Australian trees, the eucalyptus trees, now can be found all around the world. Yes, well, that's, that's that was a, a funny little mistake. Um, I'll tell you where they went. They were first moved to Europe. Guess who by? Portuguese. In the 16th century, mm. the Portuguese uh, colonised Timor. And the eucalypts have spread up north too. There's a, a line between Bali and Lombok, the two islands of Indonesia. One side's sort of Australian plants, the other side's uh, Asian sort of plants. So um, what happened is uh, they saw, saw them and they went, oh, these look bloody good. So they took them up to Portugal. So they're there now. Uh, why they like them, I suppose, is a critical point. They're hardy. Mm -hmm. You'd seem to be able to plant them in any crappy soil. They, they give you a lot of shade, um, but not too much. They're fast growing and they like hills. Uh, they also... Um, like dry areas, so Portugal's probably got a few dry areas, and they repel insects apparently, so they can be used to make paper, so they're quite popular. But after after they went there in Europe, they sort of ended up moving around even more, and they're now in South Africa, China, India, Brazil, and the worst place they went to is California in America. Because there have been some pretty awful fires in California as well. Yeah, well, in 1991, so just going back a little bit, California then discovered, uh-oh, because they'd planted lots of them, a lot, of, a lot of these things. They are lovely trees. They're already good. <laughs> and then, uh-oh, the fire authority said, these trees like these trees like to burn. My God, they, they, they described them as a Roman candle. 25 people were killed in 1991 and 3,000 homes destroyed in an area where they'd planted them. Um, so they really are arsonist trees. Oh, yeah. The Federal Emergency Management Authority there blamed, literally blamed the eucalypt trees. And uh, they said they were found throughout Oakland's Hills, which was the area where it was done. And they also, the California Invasive Plant Council has uh, considered these rapid spread of these as, as terrible because they, not, they have also displaced native plants 
and animal communities. So, oops. Big mistake, trusting a eucalyptus tree. These seem pretty damaging and destructive trees for all other species apart from themselves. What can be done with both regard to the trees, restricting their invasion, and also bushfires in general? The Aboriginal people of Australia, they certainly knew about how in uh, colonising they could be. And they used to keep them at bay because they wanted to make pasture area for kangaroos and things because that was their main um, sort of feed that they would get from all the, the animals. They'd love a crop of kangaroos, I suppose mm. you'd call it. But uh, what they did was called fire stick farming. And uh, that was um, the, the phrase that was used. But it was essentially they just uh, would light the undergrowth a bit to uh, annoy the um, trees and not create too much undergrowth and also keep the trees out of certain areas altogether. So they, they, they like a really big fire, but they don't like little fires that much. So they would keep pasture and keep the trees up one way by just getting rid of them as fast as they could, um, not letting them take over areas. And when the first settlers came here and they went out to areas like Goulburn and places like that, they, they reported beautiful pastures, beautiful open pastures, not teeming with trees. Uh, areas that had trees were like the Blue Mountains were not really seen by Aboriginal people as great places to live. And one of the things that they have a big debate here over is, is what's called hazard reduction burns, where everyone wants to just burn like low intensity fires and that'll get rid of the, the stuff on the floor. But it's flawed logic. The the actual trees will still try and burn themselves up at the top. So you can burn as much as they like at the bottom. They'll eventually blow themselves up from the top because that's what they like. The hazard reduction is not really helping. It's it's a futile exercise. That makes sense. But is this similar to backburning? Backburning is a different term. That means when you're actually in a fire and say the fire is coming towards you and the wind changes and it's then going the other way, you can light a fire where you are and it'll burn into the burnt area. So backburning means you're bringing fire to fight fire because okay. it can't burn an area that's already burnt. Technical here. Technical. Fire technicalities at their finest. Well, thank you very much, Michael. I don't know if there's anything else you'd like to add before we end. Uh, I suppose you could just summarise by saying they are perfectly adapted. I mean, they're, uh, yeah, we're worried that we've lost whole environments, but the I've seen from my work when I've done environmental projects and stories out throughout Australia, quite often when you get droughts and things, remember we are a boom-bust country. It's not like England. It's nothing like any other country that animals are adapted to hide and not do anything for a long time, then spurt to life in crazy numbers when the conditions are good. And uh, you will find the trees are pretty much the same, I think. they, they um, You look at them if you went through maybe two weeks ago and you go, oh, no, it's all just destroyed. And then you go through three weeks later and you go, oh, they've all got little leaves shooting everywhere. Maybe it's not as bad as it looks. Um, so, yeah, it's not... Australia's been burnt, but um, I suppose being optimistic, it's uh, not. It's used to it. Anyway. So it's a natural great success story of Australia are the eucalyptus trees, and we should be getting a lot of rain in the near future. Another bonus. Well, thank you so much, Michael. I have learned a lot and been slightly terrified at the ability of eucalyptus trees. So I'm definitely not going to be taking any of those home or planting them anywhere near my house anytime soon so thank you <laughs> the pleasure and that wraps up episode two thanks again to michael troy from the abc for joining me and proving true 
that the eucalyptus trees, Australia's great success story, are in fact arsonists. Join me again next week. Until then, bye for now.